Hello, and welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the tabletop RPG discussion and interview podcast. I'm your host, as always, Mike Daniel. Uh, and today I've got the uh, producers for Goblets and Gaze, and you may know them from other things around the internet as well in the tabletop RPG space. Uh, we've got with us today Aubrey and Aki. How are you all doing today? Pretty good. Very good. Very tired. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, uh, to join uh, me today here and uh, and have a nice chat. Um, but yeah, I want to let y'all uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves as well as I as I mentioned, y'all do a lot. So, um, where who, who who the heck are you? Well, uh, do you want to start off, or do you want me to start off? You start off. I've started okay. off enough today. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, hi, I am Aubrey. Uh, you usually find me on the internet at Mad Queen Cosplay. Uh, as uh, Mike said, I am one of the co-producers and the usual GM for Goblets and Gaze. Uh, uh, you can also find me playing on uh, Wayward Arcadium every Monday or so over on Nat20 Productions and in uh, Bring Your Own Mech uh, on uh, Bring Your Own Mech. <laughs> awesome. I'm Aki. I'm the other co-producer of Goblets and Gaze. I usually do all the art. I'm also the player of um, Astraea. I also co-produce Animamagiri with uh, Aubrey, where I, yes, where I also do art and I'm a player. Oops. Uh, You can also find (laughs) me on, oh, you're about to hear so many repeats today. You can also find me on Wayward Arcadium and Bring Your Own Mac. Wow. As um, players, I am also on Clever Corbett's Productions, uh, playing Darling and a couple others that have escaped me. I think they're over by now. So yeah. I'm like, I have a few other things, but I'm like, I don't remember when these things are starting up. So exactly, we can always throw links in the show notes mm-hmm. as well if there's stuff that's going on when when the episode airs. So, mm-hmm. um, or you know, people can go to your perspective handles and uh, find you through through that as well. Uh, and also, we're just going to have to get the rest of the crew from Bring Your Own Mech on another episode because we had Reed on uh, last time uh, for, <laughs> for a really great chat. Um, so getting getting y'all on, we'll get everybody else as well, maybe one day. Um, but yeah, thanks for for joining me. Really excited to uh, to chat. And uh, with all of y'all's experience of uh, running games and producing and creating um, a variety of of shows uh, on a variety of systems. I know that we also all have a lot of great experience in making some really good villains for our shows as well, which is what we're here to talk about today, um, is how how do you make a good villain? Um, so I want to pose a question to y'all to, to start off with is, what, what even is a good villain? What does that mean to y'all? You want to go first or should I? Um, yeah, I can go first. Uh, for, for me, like... A villain always, a great villain always I, inspires, like, players to be heroic, I guess. Mm. Um, I, I'd say, like, even in the end, maybe if they don't know it, uh, like, and it's it's not always, you know, fighting the villain to bring them down. Not all villains are that. Uh, sometimes sure. it's an antagonist. Uh, but it, it is it is sort of, sometimes it's a person, sometimes it's a force, but it's just the force that inspires the players to, quote-unquote, be better, be heroic. Ironically, 
this is the second time this week I'm talking about villains as I um I modded mm-hmm. a panel for um Rolf of Solidarity, which you can watch on um uh, Transplanar RPG as a VOD in which we talked about villains and our villain arcs, um, nice. specifically as like as people of color. And for me, what makes a really good villain is it's a little similar. It's a villain would inspire the players to do something. But for me, it's more so it inspires a reaction, a very powerful mm-hmm. reaction mm-hmm. out of the players. Because mm-hmm. you don't always want to beat a villain sometimes sometimes you like like dracula from castlevania where it's Mm -hmm. like oh cool motive still murder but at the same time you're like but he's not wrong (laughs) they (laughs) murdered his wife yeah right like it's it's you you you, he was just in everything else everything else (laughs) exactly right so you don't necessarily want to rise up against them all the time Mm. sometimes Mm -hmm. it's that relatability that you can you can find or vibe with um Mm -hmm. And, and that's what I think. So it's it's similar, but it's more lo- more so like the reaction has to be very powerful because you can have a villain that just does things, and you're like, that's a clown, that's a whole <laughs> clown. Like the Joker's not that inspiring until you realize mm-hmm. the long list of bad uh ohs <laughs> that he does. Awful things that. But otherwise, does. otherwise yeah. he's just a clown. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. For sure, yeah. No, I, I I like the way that you you put that, Aki. It's someone someone that is going to, or something, I guess, as well that is going to inspire a powerful reaction from the players, from their kind of like the protagonist of the story. And as mm-hmm. we said, you know, they're not always necessarily like super evil or someone that you're going to need to, uh, you know, unalive at the end of the day, right? Like there are all mm-hmm. kinds of ways to respond to that, and as we know with players, they're not always necessarily going to be like the good guys. They're just going to be opposing that force in some way. Right. So awesome. Well, uh, yeah. So we, with with that, I guess, what are some ways to start creating when you're sitting down to make a a good villain? um, Where's your starting place? I'm going to pick on Aki first, since you've made Aubrey go. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, For me, when I make villains, I like to pick on something that, like a topic that I can debate on. Mm. So, um, and I love debating, whether I'm for it or against it or whatever. Like if there's a topic I can debate on, then that means that there's a topic that other people can debate on. And I try to make this villain sort of inspired a little bit by it. Uh, the villain might also sometimes just be a force. Like everybody mm-hmm. wants to beat the shit out of capitalism. Also, sorry <laughs> if, I, if yeah. we're not allowed to curse. Oh no, we <laughs> definitely can. You can curse. It's fine. Okay, awesome. So yeah, everybody wants to beat the shit out of capitalism. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to beat up a billionaire. You know, like if if you're if I made a villain and it was Jeff Bezos, so many people would be for it. Everybody would hate him. Yeah, for sure. exactly. Right. So it's like <laughs> sometimes there's a fun villain that you just really want to beat up. And then sometimes mm-hmm. there's that villain that makes you think. And I think gauging on the type of campaign I'm playing in mm-hmm. and then making the villain based on a topic that I can debate about is is how I'd like to go with them. Oh, and I also like to avoid um, racist stereotypes or tropes. Because uh, sure. uh, yeah, as a person of color, mm, 
we are usually villains. Uh, things uh, that we do are villainous. Yeah. Our cultures are villainous. I like to subvert that entirely by taking out colonialism unless the campaign is about fighting colonialism. Mm. If it's not, it's taken out entirely. And right. I kind of tend to populate my worlds with as many people of color as possible. So it's like, well, we're not going to, it's it's not like horrible, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, yeah. yeah. For sure. That's, yeah, I, I talk about uh, my Eberron game a lot. It's one of the main things that I love about Eberron setting as a whole is that it is a very uh, diverse setting and it's not broken up into kind of the typical like racial tropes that you see i think maybe dwarves are probably the closest in ebron as they are to any other um culture like dwarf culture and other settings um, but everything else is just so strange and diverse and intermingled it's uh really easy to <laughs> kind of forget that other settings are, are the other way around um, but yeah absolutely very important to kind of push back against those uh those awful stereotypes for sure. Aubrey, where do you get started from? Um, I definitely, uh, I, I will echo a lot of things. It's definitely is a lot of times I come up with the story of what do I want the players to do first? Hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. And then from there I build out and create the villains. Like, okay, the players are going to be finding this person who is missing. Okay. Um, is Who is the villain in this story? Is it the person who kidnapped them or maybe they ran away on their own and maybe the person mm. who is actually turns out to be the villain is the person who hired you to find mm. this person who is missing um and then it kind of evolves from there and things change uh you know and adapt as necessary but yes yeah you know trying to create villains who are also in the same time well-rounded uh, <laughs> and you know that maybe you can feel some kind of sympathy for what they're doing. Maybe not. Maybe you just hate their guts. Mm. Uh, but, you know, getting a character that has a good reason for doing this, even if it's a horrible reason, even if mm -hmm. it's like a horrible, I want to destroy the world reason, they have to believe in what they are doing. Uh, they have to believe in it wholeheartedly. And then, you know, see what happens. <laughs> For sure. So it seems like from both of y'all, it's uh, what I'm pulling out is, you know, goals uh, mm -hmm. or like concepts that they are passionate about, um, mm -hmm. but also having some um, relatability to them as well. There are many mm -hmm. sides to the, the villains, right? Not just, oh, I'm doing a bad thing because I'm a bad person. It's it's like, <laughs> yeah, which can be fun. You know, it can be fun to throw those in sometimes. Yeah. But I think the really the interesting villains, the one that are going to sustain for the length of like a campaign, right, mm -hmm. is someone that has motives that are grounded in, in reality, whether that be pursuing a particular goal or um, having some sort of ideal that they are representative of, like capitalism, <laughs> for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like Dr. Eggman from like the Sonic series. He's mm. a goofy villain. But he's pretty evil, actually, yeah. when you think yeah. about it. He, he, he has goals. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. He's just he's just goofy and it's like because he looks goofy and it's a, it's meant for kids, so you can have more fun with it, right? But right. like he's still pretty bad. <laughs> I watched the, the live action movies recently and I was like, damn, I <laughs> he's actually kind of horrible like as a person yeah. too yeah 
For sure. Yeah, I need to go and check out those. I haven't actually uh, watched those yet, but I've heard really great things about Jim Carrey's performance as uh, very Dr. good. Um, but I definitely remember, you know, from the uh, the cartoons and like the video games when I was playing them when I was a, as a kid or, you know, playing Sonic games now, was, you know, Dr. Eggman. Yeah, he looks wacky, but he's trying to do very bad things. And again, that's the thing that's like inspiring you to, as the player, do something against that. Right. Mm-hmm. Trying to stop the bad thing from happening. Um, and so I still look- think uh, my favorite trope. Uh, with creating a villain is the villain is not always incredibly obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to, uh, I guess, spoil our, our show, Animamagiri, just a little bit for its first season uh, and talk about uh, the character of Patch. Uh, Patch yeah. is a character I introduced in episode one who is the... Because uh, in Animamagiri, they're students in college, uh, and all of these things happen and they end up helping this one professor try to get to the bottom of it. And Patch is the professor's, um, like, TA. Okay, And nice. Patch is there all the time, helping mm-hmm. um, and, you know, pushing people towards things maybe, um, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get people to help with things and just sort of being a TA, being there. Uh, and at the end of the season, it, it was revealed that Patch was behind it all. Ooh, uh, it was a moment where it was suddenly it was just and it was it was a delicious moment from my players when they realized it uh, and then the things you go back and you can listen because it's a podcast and you can hear all of the times that patch orchestrated all of these things into happening like mm. and it was it was such a great moment i was worried so many times that i was going to ruin it uh, and then people would get on in like episode four and then i'd be like well i guess the as a player during that i didn't suspect the thing simply mm. because patch one had a patch on their jacket called a cap that was the bit that was the best one we were like a cap a cap we were so yeah, like comfortable sure. about it right uh-huh. and then two they're That's supernatural a, a relatable guy yeah exactly right and, and then and then two was um, there's a supernatural element um, to Animamagiri, and the best way to put it is we, we, we draw um, from media, horror media and stuff like that okay. um, to help. And Patch's um, horror media that was explained to us was basically um, Brendan Fraser from The Mummy. And <laughs> okay. I yeah, will never, sure. never, never suspect. Never. At, at all. Yeah. Really? At no. all. Yeah. A cab and Brendan Fraser. How could I ever suspect it? <laughs> I was secured. I got trust issues after that game. Yeah, no, and especially when there's a big bad werewolf running around campus. Exactly. It was there was a lot of there was a lot of things happening, and then when you're when you're a player, right? You're you're getting really into it. You get into your character. You think about how your character feels, and our characters are all college students. Mm, I'm stressed yeah. out for a bunch of other things. Of course, I'm not going to pay attention. <laughs> right, to I'm not going to pay attention. Fraser, to yeah, yeah. Of course not. <laughs> He's just That's there the being the friendly teacher's assistant. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> when when I tell you season two is going to be different, when I tell you <laughs> the yeah. trust issues I got for that game, it was it was great. It was great. Uh, just trying to like read everybody's motives all of the time now from that from mm. now on. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a character that you can use to kind of hoodwink your player with is a really great uh, makes for really great villains. Um, 
Because that that character that has been there all along and no one suspected a thing. Um, yeah, I uh, kind of similarly, not not quite the same uh, vein, but similarly, I had um, the character of Jarl Axel in my last campaign, not in the current Everon one. Um, and if you don't know who Jarl Axel is, he's a dark elf. He um, actually runs a uh, mercenary organization and is also kind of head of like a, a pirate gang in a city up in north of, of Faerun. Um, but very much like, you know, clandestine, like no one knows that he's the one that's the head of all of that. Um, and he was being a pretty shady character as well. He wasn't really like the uh, overarching, like the BBEG for, for that campaign. But he, he showed up as uh, at a wedding that the, the players went to. And then he ended up like sleeping with the tiefling rogue and they had a fling for a while and like okay cool by the way he does actually need some things from you guys so he's going to conscript all of you into um helping him break into this vault and uh now that you've done that oh we actually yeah he's gonna be using all of those funds to try and and uh you know further his own own purposes um but it was a lot of fun of like hey you just got this the uh, you know this uh dark elf uh fling that you've got and you're having a good time with oh yeah sure he's coming back to uh to baldur's gate with you guys why not yeah let's go oh uh actually by the way he does uh he's he's asking you to kind of do this thing that's a little bit shady with him right now are you cool with that oh you're a rag okay cool let's go (laughs) um and then just slowly like eating away at the party and he had his own like motives and stuff as well. So they got into some, some situations where he was there as like a helper NPC and then was, Oh no, you, you y'all aren't interested in this. Well, I'm still going to go kick down the door and try and get in to this place and buy. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So it's, it's a lot of fun to, you know, just lay, lay those kind of traps almost for the, the party to walk themselves into. The friendly NPC that's not so friendly, for sure. Exactly, exactly. What are some other um, archetypes or or tropes that that you guys like playing into for your villains? Shitty parents. (laughs) (laughs) That too, shitty parents are great. Sorry, we had had two answers at the the same time there. So let's let's go with with shitty parents. Shitty parents, yes. Shitty parents? Shitty parents are... Yeah, yeah. Shitty parents are what everybody wants to fight, I think. Yeah. Everybody, in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form, really wants to beat up, like, a really shitty dad or fight their mommy <laughs> issues or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And um, We did that in we, Wayward Arcadium Season 1. Exactly. <laughs> like, we've, we've, we've done a lot uh, of them. So having shitty parents um, be, like, perhaps not the main villain, but some mm-hmm. sort of form of antagonism is, mm-hmm. is really great. Like, um, uh, I'm pretty... Can we talk about Talon? Yeah, we can go for it. Uh, yeah, so, so, just... so Talon was, and I think Aubrey can speak more um, mm. on it um, because um, most of it is, is hers. Um, but Talon was um, one of our main antagonists, I would say. Uh, mm. And he was also my player character's father that she didn't know about because she is adopted. So it was like long lost father mm. type of thing. And mm. it, it, it had a lot of conflicts in terms of like internally and whatnot, especially what ends up happening early season three, which is just fun kidnappings and stuff. 
it's it, it was like that long-term villain that tied everyone mm-hmm. together or majority of everyone together through a mm-hmm. common enemy slash backstory but it's also kind of weird i would say it, it's a it's a good type of conflict where it's like your parent is the bad guy and in most campaigns it's very common for the party to be murder hobos but mm-hmm. can you kill your mm-hmm. parent right it's it's one of right. those things it's like they're evil or they're bad, or we disagree on beliefs or whatever. But can mm. you kill your dad? <laughs> you know, like can you yeah. off your mom? It's 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 a really big conversation that um, we have a lot on Blood of Kings. Actually, we have we have mm. tons of those because we have so many evil parents. On, <laughs> <laughs> on Blood of Kings. We have so many evil parents. Aki got muted. You, you became too powerful. I became way too powerful. When was I muted? Oh, you no. You said we have so many evil parents, and that's what it got. It just, yeah, it's okay. okay, awesome. Um, um, we have so many evil parents. Literally, everybody in the party, I think, has at least one evil parent. And <laughs> it's just who deserves a redemption story? Who doesn't deserve a redemption mm-hmm. story, you know? Mm-hmm. Who is a bad person? parent period and who was like from my um standpoint a parent that did not that that had it real rough and is doing their best that's usually the story of for immigrant parents it's they grow up Mm. in a very uh, oppressive system they struggle a lot some come from war some come from a whole bunch of other things so your upbringing is different i would say from from other kids i can't believe i just not like other girls myself but like (laughs) but like truthfully truthfully my parents are immigrants they have way different struggles um they have different beliefs they and and so are they adapting to western society yes they're so much more progressive than like my relatives um Mm, from mm. from uh similar stuff but are are they like I don't know. They're conservative. They're all this, this, and that. Um, Mm -hmm. They have Mm -hmm. some liberal beliefs, but they'll still be like, but you should tax everyone. You know, like, it's one of those things where it's a huge community give and take. And it's like, I understand they're doing their absolute best, but boy, oh boy, do they, did they give me issues, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. Talon Talon is definitely one of the ones that I I enjoyed making and I enjoyed playing a lot because Mm -hmm. there's also like a twist to it all in season three where it's it's revealed that Talon isn't Talon. Mm -hmm. Uh, That um, essentially the real Talon, uh, his personality and memories and everything have been sealed away in essentially a skull and he's been made to watch this person who's been wearing his face for like 20 years do all of these horrible things yikes and then it's suddenly it's like only Estrella knows this the rest of the party coming to rescue her do not know this so Mm -hmm. they're probably going to fight this man on sight uh, and (laughs) murder him yeah they they want to too like (laughs) like He's Talon, done horrible things. Yeah, Talon has yeah. done horrible things to directly to party members too. Mm-hmm. It it really wasn't like I was on board quotation mm-hmm. marks until that reveal was was dropped, and then I was like, I can't be on board for that because it's not him. You're gonna punish yeah. the wrong person, technically. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I, I think those uh, 
the 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 secrets of uh, that villains keep is often something that makes them very interesting. Um, and this, you know, example being that I'm I'm a person inhabiting someone else's body. Um, I I love the uh, kind of the like shapeshifter trope almost. Like I, I think in and I haven't listened to the the other show um much at all so it, it sounds like patches maybe kind of fell into this a little bit as well where you know you've got the character and then there is this villainous force out there that you can't quite connect to each other one of them is maybe masquerading as uh as a decent person or um they are in some way like linked to the party and helping them along the way but it turns out that no they're actually this villain in disguise um and those moments of like unmasking those those secrets is always a lot of fun, I think. Um, so yeah, pe- GMs out there, give your villains secrets that your players have to figure out. And also, find ways for your party to be like connected to your villain. Mm, yeah, like if they have connections to the villain, like even tangentially, or like you give them connections early on, mm-hmm. uh, you know that helps even more. Helps them buy into the plot. Mm-hmm. especially sure. especially if you have one of those players that are like that they don't really give you a backstory because not every mm-hmm. player can give you a backstory so you yeah. should you should force that connection and by force i mean like <laughs> force like yeah, yeah yeah like it's um if a player is like i'm a mercenary i use a bow that's it mm-hmm. okay well who taught them how to use the bow the now mm-hmm. bad bow wielding bad guy there you go yeah. who's also right. like okay. Yeah, exactly. Bo Daddy, who's also Chef Bezos. <laughs> Look at that. Look at yep. that. And Already all immediately affecting neatly. everyone. Exactly. Yep, for sure. Speaking of shitty parents. Um, <laughs> um, or, you know, shitty mentors, even not necessarily mm-hmm. parents can be a father figure or parental figure, right? So, um, yeah, interestingly, we've got in, in the game that I'm a player in right now, we've kind of got some of those dynamics going on where one of the characters, one of the players didn't really do much backstory for the GM. So the GM just kind of took the little bit that they gave them and, and ran with it. And turns out that they are like a bastard child for the king who's an evil, awful person. And we're trying to overthrow as a party. And we just recently re- was revealed that uh, this connection that they have. Uh, and there's another player that's a, our, our cleric and their dad is like a evil mad scientist that works for the king like directly underneath them so um yeah a lot of really really interesting uh dynamics that have come up in in that game as well so i think yeah like uh, like you said or, or aubrey you know tying your players to the villain can be a really great way to uh spur them along to get that reaction out of them regardless of you know whether they normally would or not um what are some other fun ways that y'all have uh maybe tied some some players to uh to the villains do you want to go or do you want to go i i can go i can go because this yeah. one's kind of fun i yeah. encourage and i allow my players to romance the villain hurts more <laughs> yes. um or or creates a very fun dynamic for their character i um i gm'd an eight episode stream special called shambhala and um it was the best way to put it it was a horror pirate themed campaign Nice. Three out of four players romanced villains. 
<laughs> I had a lot of villains because I wanted, like, I said, I told them they can play, like, kind of that morally gray anti-hero slash villain, whatever they'd like. Mm-hmm, but you're also mm-hmm. going to be paired up with bad people. And right. three out of four of them were like, can I kiss the bad people? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, sure. Nobody wanted yes, the can. real, yeah, nobody wanted the, the true antagonist. But they were mm-hmm. all, because they were involved with other antagonists, and this is sort of like a council of antagonists Mm, mm, they were all connected in some way and so um i got them the tragic backstories they wanted Mm -hmm. while also giving them the like rival enemy to lovers like pipeline that they wanted the only person who did not like want a romance or anything like that um just said that they wanted to play with this concept um of um it's it's uh it's they're called cadejos in which like you can see spirits and there's like a bad spirit and a good spirit they bring different omens they can hurt you or protect okay. you and so i just had that player see ghosts all the time and connected it with my plot and it was great <laughs> it was it all worked out great i got the drama and i got the plot nobody was ever like scattered because the drama was there but the plot was also always there and mm. so it, it worked perfectly God, now I'm thinking of my most recent villain romance that I didn't even realize was a villain romance until it was revealed. Oh, um, the Orchid Lady? <laughs> yeah, the Orchid yeah. Lady. That was that was really good because it, it, the whole thing is it's, it's a home game that Aki and I play in. Uh, okay. And my first character in that campaign was a warlock who was sort of indebted to this person who was essentially just making their life out. Hmm. Uh, you know, you know that she was a, she was a circus con artist uh, and. You know, uh, she she tried to, you know, con this person. It didn't work. So there are, you know, all these horrible things happen. And eventually, through many reasons, the character eventually uh, dies, gets brought back, and decides, you know what? I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. And kind of just walks away. Uh, and then my new character who comes in is, uh, you know, we, we pick up this NPC at one point, And, you know, she has the same goals as us. And so I was like, okay. oh, yeah, she's yeah. kind of cool. Uh, and so... My character starts like building a friendship with her, because um, I play uh, I play a death cleric now turned blood hunter. Uh, okay. So I'm a monster hunter and all that stuff. So you know I share yes. my information, she shares hers, and eventually you know we we like develop a romance. And then it, literally the last episode, the last uh, session we just played, it's revealed that she is the character who made my first character's life hell, <laughs> uh, and she infiltrated Excellent. our party to do evil things. But then. I was such a good person or like so nice to her that she ended up like kind of caring for us as a party. It is technically a villain, but not really a villain anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's, she's also one of those, she's an mm-hmm. indebted villain. These are like mm-hmm. Faye that we're messing with. And okay. so Faye's are indebted to Faye's and the only, right. so she, she did a lot of bad things. Her, Aubrey's previous character was romancing mine. And yep. the goal was to get me. Because I'm playing a god child. I'm playing like the equivalent of like the avatar of, of this world. <laughs> nice. And so she still gets me in the end, but this time rather than like, and I'm going to force you to do it. I'm going to kidnap you and I'm going to force you. It was, mm-hmm. I like you guys and I don't want to do anything bad. So I'm asking you, <laughs> despite all the bad that she has done up until then. Mm-hmm. So that's like a whole villain with like a whole other set of things. Yeah, Am I bad things, by the way? This redemption arc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and, and for the record, the bad things include kidnapping children and like extortion and shit. Like it's bad. Yes. She's done yeah. bad, bad mm-hmm. things. And mm-hmm. um, through her adventures with us, got that is attempting right now to get that Zuko redemption art. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're probably going to give it to her just because we like her. Right, mm-hmm. right. And she has spent helped. like eight months with her. Like we spent like about two months with her in game time, but like it's been about like eight months since this happened. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. We've, we've, it's like eight months. Um, and then also thinking one of my other favorite ways uh, to get people to care about the villain is mm-hmm. be the reason that the villain is causing problems. Like uh, I'm thinking of Adi Mamakiri in season one, episode one. They unleashed the werewolf that causes oh, all no. these <laughs> uh, through through patches, sort of what patch does and sets mm. up. Uh, they are for they they find themselves locked in this room and they unlock a secret door, uh, and that secret door is where somebody hit a, a box with a person in it, uh, and they open the box uh, and break the spell that's on it, and uh, therefore unleashing the werewolf. Mm. Uh, and then that same night, the werewolf kills someone on campus. And then suddenly it's, it's that, oh, that, that, oh no, this is our fault, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We did this. Oh, that was fun because I specifically played a character who did not want to be involved with the plot mm-hmm. at all. It's very fun. <laughs> it's very fun. Like, obviously, play it mm-hmm. only if your table consents to it because I yeah. always double checked. Because I'm playing somebody who's actively like, I'm not your friend. I don't want to be your friend. I do not care about you. And actually, mm, this is your mm, fault. Like I'm actively mm. bullet. I'm gaslighting the fuck out of everybody. Basically. <laughs> um, but that's just because I'm playing somebody who actively, like, if I were alone in a room, I would not be opening boxes. You know, right, like it's right. one of those things. So it was super. You're playing it's so the. Like I'm playing against type by playing a, a yeah. like rational human being exactly, <laughs> in these exactly. situations. It, yeah. You could you could consider me also like the character I'm playing, being a little right. devil's advocate, being a little mm. villain to the party that way. Who mm-hmm. comes around, obviously, but like I, I chose right. to play a loner stereotype, you know? Mm-hmm. And For sure. and that's and it's great. Uh and eventually when we get to know the werewolf. Um, mm. We bought since we're both dealing with similar um, body morphin morbin time <laughs> issues, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know he's a werewolf. He doesn't he like a. I for this one drew on um, the story of the Rougarou. Um It's sort okay. of a, from New uh, Louisiana, um, and it's very much of this is a curse that's put on somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have any memory of it. You know, they do all of, they'll mm. do all these horrible things and then they won't remember anything. Right. Okay. That was his thing. Is he's, he's like, I know this is happening, but like, I don't remember these things that I, mm-hmm. like, I don't have that kind of control. Uh, so like, it is like a sympathetic, like villain almost where it's right, like, right. I don't want to be doing these things. He's actively trying to lock himself up, but mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. keeps letting him out. Hmm. I mean, we know yeah, who that's... now, so yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, now you know. Um, there, there was a there was a character called the Observer who would uh, mess with them and okay uh, things like that, and it, the Observer ends up being Patch, uh, mm, but you know they mm. never put two those two together. Right. Because yeah. No. I, I think. Yeah. Why would I? <laughs> For sure. 
No, um, I, I love the idea of making your making the party responsible for the villain's actions. Um, in my my Eberron game right now, the the players very early on in the campaign found a big um, like untapped mine essentially of dragon shards, and shortly thereafter there was a bid going on for who was going to get the rights to like you know drill out these uh these dragon shards and get access to all the power and the players um are like oh i hope that this person gets it because they've just put on a big show of wealth so if they are buying up all the stuff that we're gonna get some really good money from that um so that we can go and continue to adventure and uh just a, a couple sessions ago the uh, uncapped a list of uh, this evil organization and members of the evil organization and realized that the person who they had been vying for to get money from is on this list of uh, evil people that probably want the players dead. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned like greed, essentially, because mm-hmm. that was the player's greed um, doing it as in... Um, for Shambhala, because it's a homebrew anti-colonious setting. Mm-hmm. Um, the main villain in that I try to push for in every um, game, I've only really run two games of it, um, or, or two separate campaigns of it, I should say, right. is um, it's the concept of, of greed and power. Uh, and basically, okay. like, lore-wise, it's mortals, so that's just regular people, Mm -hmm. Uh, they wanted more power. They wanted to be seen like gods. They want to achieve their goals. And through great amounts of greed, it kind of corrupts them and pushes them to the extreme. And then they eventually will turn into something that I call the unborn. And the best way to put it is it's just, it's just Vanta black goop with (laughs) an immense body horror. Like I can turn that thing into anything they're mm-hmm. horrible. They're like it's like it's like if um it's like Resident Evil Seven, how they chose to um display uh what do you call it um the uh, the mold molds. Thank you. And that's yeah, okay. like that's the infection. It's a little similar in that case, except that really is the zombie. That really is the infection. It touches you, you mm. you are consumed. And the whole I aspect of it is you are so corrupted by your greed, by your ambitions that becomes the only thing that you can focus on. And mm. so until you achieve it, which you will never achieve, right. um, you will keep consuming the things around you. And the worst punishment of it all is that um, reincarnation is a concept that I use a lot. And to be reincarnated is mm-hmm. very important um, in um, my uh, camp, in my setting. People who get turned into unborns can never reincarnate. They will cease to exist. They are just Oops. stuck this way. And for a very long time, there is no way to... There really, there's no cure. This is a zombie infection with no cure. The only thing you can do is, like, mercy kill at this point. And then... And then my players figured out a way to... To undo it. <laughs> Or, 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 yeah, or they, or they, they come up with this idea that makes me go, oh, you could undo it this way. And it literally is forcing the creature to remember good things. Hmm. That's it. And it's like, okay, that makes so much sense because it's your obsession and your greed that Mm -hmm. makes you turn this way. 
because you when you're obsessed with something you think of nothing else when you're addicted to something you think of nothing else right but if you can remember other things it makes more sense it's like you can totally <laughs> come back the only issue is you know like uh, it's because it's body horror and morphin time you know hungry <laughs> all that kind of stuff it's several people into one so there's never going to be that kind of separation but mm. it's just this was a really cool idea that they came up with out of nowhere <laughs> that they came up with at the end and i have to end the stream because it's like 12 in the morning my time and i'm like <laughs> god damn it <laughs> i have to wake up wait a week for this yeah it was so great it was really good so you know sometimes give your players concepts to fight ha 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 make that the villain because it's kind of fun that way for sure um so let's let's talk a little bit about like you you talking about uh bringing this up in in game kind of makes me think of like okay we talked about these ideas of you know building these villains how do we showcase the villain inside of a of a session um i i feel like you know a, a lot of games that i've played in as well as um as for me myself as a gm it can be tough to like showcase the villain really other than okay well there's these things going on and they're bad and this person shows up and you fight them right so mm. what are some some tips that y'all have for uh fleshing them out a little bit more in the actual sessions for the players yeah um I will talk a lot about like what we did, what I like, what I did end up doing with like Talon in our show, Blood of Kings. Okay. Um, yeah. Talon was actually initially when I intended to be such a, a very background antagonist. Like, yeah, he's there, he's doing bad things. He's not directly messing with the party just yet because mm -hmm. he, yet again, doesn't really have much reason to. He has suspicions, but not much else. So he, uh, and then, so essentially, episode three of season two. I think, or like right around that point, the players get a sending stone. Uh, and it's like, it's one use a day, you know, like it's send messages to people. Uh, mm -hmm. And I hit it to a player and they just went, oh, this can go to anybody, right? And I go, yeah, this can go to anybody as long as you've met them. And they just go, I want to send a message to Talon. And I just went. Because the Talon, they met Talon before because they were part of the same sort of like group. And, you know, she was a sort of a disgraced uh, runaway general. And so she's like, she learns that like Talon did some weird shit, like implanted like a ghost in her head. Mm. Uh, that's how she rages because she's a barbarian. Okay. She goes ghost. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and so she, she sent him a message, say, essentially saying like, you didn't succeed. I am still alive. And then she, she gets back. Uh, essentially like a, oh, didn't I? <laughs> ben, like literally she went, she yeah. went like, she was like, I know, like she only said like three words. And he, he, he used like, one word. Yeah. Like, mm. so he still beat her in, in mm. that. It was great. It was a, it was like super intense and we were pissed in like a good way. Um, like just how dare you bring the plot early? God <laughs> damn it. We're not ready. We're not ready. He's, he's mm. intimidating. He's a time wizard. You know, like yeah. he's he's very intimidating for us, and we're like level four on a yeah. good day. Yeah. <laughs> um. So essentially, the next session, he had sent some people to essentially try to assassinate this one person in the party. Uh. So okay. Yes, it's like you have information that I didn't think you do, but you do have it now. So I need you to not have that information anymore. Uh, mm. My death. 
and so they fight off the villain. They fight off the enemies, and um, it's not. It doesn't end up being him uh, because because he's a so powerful wizard. He has a sim- he can like create simulacrums and things like right. that. So he sends a, sim- a simulacrum uh, to show up, and the simulacrum. They were like, "Oh, let's not kill these people because we want to get information." The simulacrum kills all of the assassins. So, and then before right. anything can happen, we ha- I have one of the um, a character who's been helping out the party a few times. They didn't realize it was the god of chaos and trickery at the time before that. Okay. Uh, who is the uh, essentially uh, banned from the rest of the pantheon and. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. he also is the grandfather of Aki's character. Yeah. Mm. Nice. The best and way to put it is we made like Aubrey made the 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 canon world, the one that everyone in every goddamn country can go. Yeah, that's actually the bad god. We don't like the bad god. We're gonna ban mm. the bad god. Bad mm. god is actually the good god. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this subversion. Nice. And, and all this lore drops. It was like three episodes straight of lore drops that we demanded for a beach episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and essentially what happens is he shows up and he's like, run. Uh, and, you know, they do. And he eventually finds them later. And he's, he's super fucked up from the fight. You know, he's like bleeding mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, and then so he sits down and he's like, Okay, let me. I have to explain a lot of things now that you have, in other words, pushed the plot forward. That stuff was supposed to happen for like seven episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a time where it was like, this person is powerful enough to hurt a god, mm. and stalk us. Mm. That was the that was our other biggest issue. Because if he's he's a powerful wizard, he could. It just, just through yeah, yeah just scrying yeah, just through basic yeah, yeah basic knowledge of of, the, of magic he can scry on us and that became our next biggest issue was how do we stop him from spying on us how do we travel safely mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. it was like that constant st- source of stress but you know mm-hmm. like the good kind of stress because it's the it's the party thing and it wasn't like absolutely like right boundary crossing mm-hmm. you know but it was mm-hmm. just always in the back of our minds all the time for a full season and a half actually mm. yeah uh, so it, then, it sounds like you were kind of peppering in just some things that hey these are the very the the things that this villain is capable of doing just here's mm-hmm. a little reminder oh you make a wisdom save for, for me real quick oh okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was and yeah then, it was yeah, intense stories of what this person has done mm, yeah. uh you know because essentially is he's like, okay, you are my granddaughter. You, you know, he is your father. Uh, and this is what happened. This is why you were an orphan. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, he, he started a coup and overthrew and stole two of the children. Uh, one of which he lost on the way to his goal. That's me. He lost uh, me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, through various things and, all of that, uh, you know, very powerful, very scary, very willing to do a lot of things to, you know, achieve his he, goal. He kills mm-hmm. a lot of people. He hurts mm-hmm. a lot of people. And w- when we beat him, it's it's very bittersweet because we don't, we can't beat him without, like, let's say, for example, killing actual talent the guy who didn't want to do this right Mm -hmm. so it's 
incredibly bittersweet for some people who are who absolutely want to just maim him you know it's mm -hmm. sort of like it's like you don't want to give him a chance but it sucks because you there's people who do me i want to give him a chance because i wasn't mm -hmm. him that was, right? Right, right and and even then the the actual him is also like i don't want to be given a chance because <laughs> it's like it's it's just that outer body disconnect of watching yourself do horrible things but being unable to do anything about it mm -hmm. and it was it's so this redemption shit has been going on for a whole season it's still <laughs> going on he has he is trying to reverse all the damage that he didn't do <laughs> And it sucks, and it's so much, and it's literally, it's literally two decades, over two decades of damage that he's done against his will. Broken his family, everything. It's it's a, mm -hmm. it's a really sympathetic villain, honestly, mm -hmm. but also, shit, what a bad guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> the stuff he did is evil. And then mm -hmm. the stuff that, he's, that, he, that he also did is really sad. And he's yeah. actually, he's great. Nice. Uh, yeah, Aki, any tips for, um, I guess, like, displaying or showcasing characterization of your villains in, in session? In session? I, hmm. I like monologues. And I know, yeah, okay. mm. yeah and, I, and I'm very good at exposition and monologues. Um, obviously, it's great when the table is, like, aware that the GM is going to do a monologue and it's like, okay, mm -hmm. we're not going to interrupt you because you, like, yeah. you had time, right? However, I um, planned this. I'm, I'm gonna let you have it. Yeah. Exactly, but like I don't even give them a chance to realize I'm monologuing, right? Like until I start, because um, I I'm pretty decent at weaving this into um, setting exposition. Like I'll read it. I, I will talk about it through the villain's point of view. I like mm. to open a lot of my sessions with I call them poems, but it's okay. literally just people monologuing the whole time from their perspective. And then mm -hmm. I make them a bit interactive by asking the players, like as if they were having a conversation with this villain. This is how they sound. This is the questions they're going to ask you. This is how you would re interact with them if you were like sitting in a in a room with them, talking before killing, obviously, or fighting or right. whatever. Right. And um, this is where it's fun to do, like where the villain is actually a concept or a thing. Because I mm -hmm. make them talk to the unborn. The unborn can't actually talk too well, right. but I make them talk to to it. To just so, just to you know touch upon like what will you do for power or what will you do to get what you want? And so monologuing in finding creative ways to monologue mm. is really great because when the players catch on that this is like a villain that they're talking to or something, it's like a mm -hmm. whole other level of understanding. Especially when you can recognize, like, I don't know, if I do it the same accent twice or mm -hmm. I start talking the same way and they recognize it, it's really mm -hmm. nice to, like, see it. You'll always, like, see or hear them go, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, I see. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice different level of vibes. I also like to make someone um, clearly unlikable, but they're not a bad person. So, um, mm -hmm. one villain that I have, they hated her, <laughs> but it's okay. Cause she hated one of them specifically back. And it was like rivalry type of vibe. Um, okay. it was two powerful 
pirate witches is the best way to put it. One is the one is my players, the other is their rival NPC. They're okay. very similar. And they hate each other. And that's why it, it's great <laughs> and it works. Mm-hmm. And they they just everything they can do, they can match each other. They're the same level. They they have a slightly different um uh, paths that they took as witches, but otherwise it's the same. And because mm-hmm. they're so similar, it's really easy for players to hate someone who you're playing, <laughs> especially when you realize you're not playing an entirely good person. Mm-hmm. If I gave you a murder hobo with a tragic backstory, you'd probably go, cool motive, still murder. But then right. you'll realize that that's your backstory and you go, shit. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's great. It's a very good, it's a very good vibe, especially to have players invested in villains. Yeah. Also let them kiss them. It works too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. romancing. The villains is, is definitely an option for sure. As we've discussed. Um, excellent. Yeah. I guess any, we've, we've talked for a, a while. Any other things that y'all um, really enjoy about making villains that we haven't, uh, haven't touched on yet. Um, Let's see, I'm trying to think of my other favorite villains I've created for these these games. Uh, I think one of the ones I haven't mentioned is uh, is the Evil Queen. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, because, yeah. What's uh, up with them? The whole thing is uh, what how season one like ended and stuff was them uh, going uh, to an audience with the queen of this one city, and the queen was like, "My child ran away ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm." very old now and i don't know how much time i have left so i want to make sure that they're all right and if possible bring them home before i die um okay. and so the party you know they do that and through all of this is they eventually um they learn uh learn many things they learn uh, many of the reasons why this person ran away uh they learned the, the initial reason they learned was uh this person you know they ran away and they they ran away because they wanted to essentially, they, they were trans. They wanted to change their gender. Uh, okay. And, you know, they they were looking for somebody to help them with that. Uh, and they didn't come back simply because for many reasons, uh, which mm-hmm. are revealed later when they meet the person and they're like, how could you do this? Like, how could you like, the, your country is like suffering and all these people are suffering because of these things you've done. Mm-hmm. Because essentially there's been a war that has been going on between these two countries because uh, there was a, um, essentially like, you were going to marry this prince from the other country okay. uh, and unite. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they, they ran away before that could happen. So there's just been this sort of causing war. a lot of strife between the two, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And they learn that the, um, you learn that uh, this character, Serena, her mom uh, is one of the few remaining dragons in the world uh and to survive all of these years she has pretty much just been using all of her children like capri sons and drinking their life essence (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and you're suddenly like oh (laughs) yeah yeah i love evil queens you can do evil queens in so many different ways and Mm. this one was a really fun way because we kept we, we we called we called Serena a Capri Sun lovingly several mm. times because that's what this you know that was mm-hmm. what they wanted to do with her, but oh my god was it fun to play 
it's fun to play um, like a citizen of that area. So it's like mm-hmm. what you've done has affected my life entirely. Right. You're not mm-hmm. taking responsibility for it and you still don't want to take responsibility for it. But at the same time, like I'm not going to fucking fault you for why you left, especially yeah. now yeah. that we know the real reason. Like, holy <laughs> right, shit, that's, right. that's horrible, right? But right, it, like you might have been time, pissed at first, but once yeah. the truth is out, you're like, oh, well, uh, yeah, yeah I'd have done the same like, thing. So Exactly. It's it's like, I understand why you're leaving. That's evil. But also, um, did live. <laughs> but I, I still hate a, you. Yeah. yeah, like did live over a decade of constant war. Um, I, I got to slap her. It was great. Like, it was, mm, it, was mm. it was cathartic. That's all I needed, too, I think. I think just to hit her once. Yeah. You're like that's what you get 10 years living on the border actually <laughs> yeah. that's that's it was very stressful for for my character mm. i know that but then we found out about <laughs> dragon capri's son and we're like wait a minute mm. can't be that mad yep and then you also turned a character who was supposed to be a villain into your ally as well in that case yes. you, uh, the prince of the na- the warring nation you uh-huh. know the, uh the one who was supposed to get married to serena right uh and they turned. They, they had a moment where they're like, "Oh shit, <laughs> you're kind of doing this because this is a life you've been brought up in, right. uh, and this like all of these ex- expectations passed on to you as a young, probably t- as a teenager when this happens, and you're you're suddenly like you are now like in a place where you're taking a look at your actions and being like, you know what, maybe I don't want to do this anymore mm-hmm. because like I get to know these people and they're actually kind of nice." We we do a lot nice. of, yeah, we do a lot of that. I, I realize with our characters. Yeah, I was just also... gonna say a lot of redemption arcs that I'm I'm hearing here, mm-hmm. which is great. Because um, they're they're even if they are villains, they can still be sort of like as long as they're not like horribly like you can't redeem Jeff Bezos. Right. You can't. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but if it's if it's like a a prince who is uh, you know this is the whole life he's known. This is everything he's been trained mm-hmm. for. The child, like you can maybe eventually get him to take a chance to step back and like realize how horrible the things he's doing. Right. But also, if they hadn't had that conversation, he still would be a villain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I I think a couple of really important lessons for GMs out there is one, you know, make make room for the party to affect the villain in a way that's not just murdering them right not unaliving them um and make your make room with your villains as people to you know (laughs) self-evaluate and and uh interact with the party as well and and change because of their their actions i I think it's really easy when you get into those situations to go as a gm to go oh no he's the bad guy so he's he's not going to listen to what the party has to say uh, he's just gonna, you know, continue on with doing the the plot thing, right? But it's much more interesting when they have that impact, and the villain, the villainous character, can go, "Oh shit, we're the baddies!" Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, uh, it's always uh, it, it just makes for much more interesting, much more dynamic stories. I think so, for sure. Does mean you always need to have like a villain in your back pocket just in right, case. Right, just in case your party turns the villain into a redemption yeah, arc. Exactly. You got somebody else. Villains it, it wasn't Zuko was now. not the villain the whole time. It, it was, was his, his dad. dad. 
Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> Remember, villains through circumstance. That's that's mm. the best way to go about it. Villains yeah. through circumstance. Absolutely, absolutely. Because every villain believes they're the hero of their own story. Yeah, for sure. I think that's maybe the key takeaway from our our lessons today is that the villain is going to think that they're doing the right thing and they're going to go about that, you know, however they feel is is best. But maybe, you know, there's room for change in there um, because it is a relatable goal that they have that people in that situation would probably want to do the same thing, right? Um. Yeah. So, GMs make your villains people. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I I don't want to speak for y'all though in summarizing our our lessons for today. So I think I in kind of a closing question to you both is any um like parting words of wisdom or way you know summarizing what uh, um your your thoughts on on villains. Mm, I would say. When making things, think less about us versus them Hmm. and think more about impact versus impact. You don't want to fight a group of people all the time. You don't want to fight an organization, per se, all the time. You truthfully just want to fight one specific person or a handful of specific people from this area. So rather than us versus them, Try to make it more, or try to at least think about it more like, nah, just Jeff fucking Bezos. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, um, uh, definitely it is It is very much like what Aki said. And, you know, have the, the villains, they're, they're, they're people. They have their own desires. They have their own, uh, they have their own stories. Like, and yet again, they think they're the heroes of their own stories, mostly. Like, they're, they're maybe not always 100% aware of everything. They do villainous things, but generally it is for for their goal, their reason, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, all of that. And oh, I'm trying to think of anything else that I need to say. Uh, and, you know, even friends can become enemies. Hmm. Excellent. Well, yeah, very, very well, well put from both of y'all and some great advice for our listeners. So thank you both very much for, uh, for coming on to, to chat today. And I'm excited to go back and uh, rework the villain of my campaign and make him better. So uh, thanks for that. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to, uh, to give y'all a chance to, yeah, I, I want to give y'all a chance to, uh, to let our listeners know um, how to find out about all, all of the many number of things that you do. So I'll shut up for a, for a minute, but uh, yeah, where can I, where can they find you? Well, you go uh, first, Aubrey, not me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say, uh, well, if you like uh, Goblets and Games, which is just Pathfinder 2E set in a fantasy world of my own design, heavily inspired by like Greek, Norse, uh, and Celtic lore and various whatever things I like. It, it, it's it is a lot of those but it's also just a lot of whatever um and if you enjoy things like that you can go check us out on any of the podcast platforms we should be on all of them uh and we upload episodes every wednesday anima magiri is coming back at some point don't have a definite date but you know if you enjoy horror and things like that and delving it delving deep into character stuff it's about some mm. great stuff in there uh plug yourself you- uh, and you can find me 
everywhere on uh, on the internet at Magazine Cosplay. Uh, you know, I GM that G, uh, GM Animam, I GM Goblins and Gays. Uh, I also play Aurora on uh, Aurora on Wayward Arcadium, who has a horrible, horrible father, uh, who is a great villain uh, for our, our season. Hmm. It was a, a fucking PJ from now 20. Great. You know, he created such a wonderful villain in that character. Hmm. Uh, and I also play Sawyer on Bring Your Own Mech. And I am Aki. I co-produce basically everything that Aubrey just said. Please <laughs> check us out. Um, support us on Patreon as yes. we are reaching, we are very close to reaching our um, goal for paying uh, our cast monthly, which is nice. It's great. Uh, you can find me all over the Twitterverse at Akinomi underscore art, where um, I do things. I do lots of things. I do lots of art. And I'm in many a thing, including Wayward Arcadium, where I play Sarnai, who fights the us versus them concept. Ha ha. All the time. Uh, as well as on Bring Your Own Mech, where I play Vim. Uh, and Clever Corvid's Productions, uh, City That Never Dies, where I play Darling, who does similar things. Um, very good. I think that's it. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, yeah, again, thanks for, for coming on. And listeners, definitely go and uh, check them out and support them. Uh, a lot of really great content that they put out uh, on the internet for, for you to take in. So uh, go check them out. Um and uh, yeah, uh, really great chatting with you all both today. And uh, listeners, thank you very much for joining us along the way. Um, as always, please uh, give you know likes, ratings, reviews, whatever you can, wherever you, you get your podcasts. Uh, if you found any of this helpful uh, and inspiring for your own villains, you can let me know uh, also by reaching out to me on Twitter at 19HitsTheDragon. Um, but the best way you can help the show out is, of course, to go out and tell 19 of your closest friends. Um, thanks again to my guests and thanks for our listeners for hanging out. Everybody take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And we'll see you all next time on 19 Hits the Dragon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.